Hey, welcome back to the DC Beer Show. Richard here. I'm all alone today, but uh, I am in the presence of uh, one of the top guys in town in terms of, of providing beer to the masses in a restaurant environment. I'm here with Jace Gonerman, who is the beverage director at Meridian Pint, Brooklyn Pint, and Smoke and Barrel. Hey, Jace, thanks for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. We're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about some interesting things. But first, let's let everybody know, don't forget, please follow the DC Beer Show and dcbeer.com on all the social medias at DC Beer. We make it really easy. It's the same everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, remember, you can get all the deets on everything happening in the craft beer scene at dcbeer.com. We have the most comprehensive calendar of craft beer-related events in the entire DMV. So you should definitely check that out. And also, check out dcbeer.com for great stories about things going on in craft beer, the people and places that make craft beer in D.C. awesome. Okay, let's get on to the show with Jace Gonerman. We're going to talk today about a couple of things. We're going to focus first on bars and restaurants and craft beer in D.C., which we've all seen change substantially. Right over the last 10 years. Um, and we've seen a lot of changes just in the last few months. So Meridian Pint, one of your restaurants, moved mm-hmm. from you know its classic location in Columbia Heights, uh, where it was a favorite of the neighborhood. And frankly, people all over D.C. is a place to come and get really amazing beer. Now it's in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, we've seen Mad Fox close uh, due to competition and costs uh, in the neighborhood that it it started in where basically it was the only really great beer place in Falls Church and now has tons of competition from breweries and other places. So it closed. So what are your thoughts specifically on how restaurants are facing competition and, and, and can survive craft beer focused restaurants specifically at a time where, you know, we talked a minute ago before we were recording about the fact that now craft beer is pretty much in almost any decent restaurant you can find. So what are your thoughts on how that's changing, how that has changed and how it's going to change? Uh, well, like we were talking about before, to me, it's really twofold. I mean, the number of restaurants in D.C. alone has spiked tremendously over the past five, ten years. And then on top of that, more and more places are realizing that they need to be carrying and stocking craft beer and they're actually paying attention to their selection and trying to curate it a little bit as opposed to just throwing on whatever good deal they could get from the distributor or whatever is put in front of them, basically. Right. So there's both a tremendous spike in the volume of restaurants as well as the number of restaurants that are looking to carry good beer options. Yeah, and I've certainly seen a lot more restaurants um, in town serving local craft beer uh, with the sort of, you know, huge influx of, of breweries in the area. Um, as competition increases in the restaurant business and in the beer business, frankly, I mean, that's, that's a big part of this, is now you've got, like you said, you've got distributors going to restaurants and instead of sort of saying, okay, here's your bud, Here's your Bud Light. <laughs> yeah. Here's your other AB, you know, InBev. But we've also got this great beer from this brewery in, you know, uh, Loudoun County or Rockville, Maryland or someplace like yep. that. How specifically are these, you know, this, this influx of craft beer into restaurants affecting places like Brooklyn Pint and, and Smoke and Barrel um, in terms of the way you're sort of bringing customers in around the beer that you're serving in addition to the food? I think it really, if you're thinking of the city as a whole geographically, 
it shrinks your like your arc of where you're drawing customers from. Mm. Because once upon a time, if you went to go get a great beer, you were going to get in a cab, get on the metro, go to church, go to Meridian. Now your place where you go to get beer is probably much, much closer. And you might save the places like Smoking Barrel and Brookland or Meridian or even Church Key for like a special occasion. Or you might go there less frequently than you once did. So it's yeah along those lines i noticed this the other day i had a friend in town and and i took him to church key he's a beer lover yep if he'd been staying in my neighborhood or something there were lots of i wouldn't have taken him out but he happened to be downtown and i was like oh well you got it we got to go to church key right because it's local and and it's close but uh but it was a special occasion kind of thing. Yeah. It was introducing so look at this huge menu of beer. Like it's amazing. And he was wowed because he's from a small town in the south. Oh yeah. <laughs> Doesn't have those options, right? Um so it's really um one of the other things that I've noticed, and this is probably less relevant to you, but I think we talked about it on on a recent show, is the fact that a lot of folks I know are now buying more and more of their beer directly from breweries. You know, like instead of going to the beer store and looking what they have, you've, you've you got two or three breweries close enough by so you can swing by and pick up a six pack or a case or whatever um, and, and buy it directly from breweries, which is an interesting development. Yeah. And then more and more, the breweries using the tasting room as a big source of revenue and a big way to right. bring people in, which for the brewery is about the smartest thing they could possibly do. But it, there's definitely a point where it starts to cut into, like, if you can go to Three Stars and get a beer that you want to drink, and then they also have a food truck or mm-hmm. someone there catering, you're you're set. Yeah, that's a great that's a great afternoon, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and of course, selling beer directly to the public significantly increases the margin. Oh, if I if I opened a brewery, I would build the shiniest, hippest, coolest <laughs> tasting room. I could possibly, because I would want people in buying the, it at my brewery yeah. as much as they possibly uh, possibly could. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's I think, something we're seeing with all of the new breweries opening up is that focus on the tasting room experience rather than the production experience. And we've talked to a lot of brewers. Um, uh, you know, we talked to guys at, at DC Brow recently. We talked to, even when we talked to Bill Madden uh, earlier this year, uh, long before there was any even breath of, of Mad Fox closing, and his position was, you know, regional breweries are, are pretty much done, and it's, it's all about brew pubs and 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 local breweries that are really focused on the tap room experience. Um, so that's a it's it's a change. It's great for consumers, I think, because there's a significant increase in sort of the kinds of beer you can get everywhere. But it's tough if you're on the brewer side or on the restaurant side. But let, let's ask a little bit more specifically about your day-to-day kind of job, right? You're buying sure. – you're the beverage director for three restaurants, right? And all three of them are restaurants first, right? <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I would say – I would say yes. Smoke and Barrel's probably the one that is closest to a bar per right. se in the uh, general sense. But even then, we sell – so much food out of there that I think it probably in terms of the whole picture is a restaurant. Yeah. Restaurant first. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's it's that's sort of a trend we're seeing. I mean, you look at a place like Red Bear, right, which opened as a brewery tap room, but they've got a full kitchen that I know they're they're planning on 
going full restaurant. Um, they're bringing other people in right now, I think. But, but yeah, it's that restaurant aspect matters a lot. But as the beverage director, one one interesting question I have for, for three different restaurants is how much are you looking? How much are you, when you're looking at sort of beers to bring in, new beers to bring in? Are you looking at something to bring in across the three restaurants, or do you look at each one sort of individually and, and buy individually? Uh, the best answer, especially with um, Meridian being out in Virginia now and having basically a completely different set of distributors oh, for right. all yeah, intents yeah, yeah. and purposes, or at least like different arms of certain distributors, mm. I'm looking at it on a more individual basis than I ever have. Um, just the product base between D.C. and Virginia is completely different, and then each restaurant is slightly different in terms of what they're looking for and what really is moving. There's certainly overlap, but there's also a decent number of differences as well, just in terms of what the consumer wants to drink. Right. And are you building out... I I have to be honest. I haven't been to any of your restaurants much recently. I'm a big fan of Smoke and Barrel because I'm a big barbecue fan. Sure. Um, And I used to go to Brooklyn Pine all the time uh, because... It was easier to get Meridian Pint was closer to my house, but Brooklyn Pint was easier to get to on Metro. (laughs) Yeah, and we're – so it's sort of funny now. We're starting to get a few of the old hardcore regulars from Meridian coming over to Brooklyn. Oh, nice. And they're like, I never realized how easy this is to get to. And I'm like, yeah, if you live – Anywhere in between, like mm-hmm. Meridian and Brooklyn, it's and it's it's easy and it's quick. Yeah, I've uh, so I, I live in Tacoma Park, Maryland. Everybody who listens to the show knows that I talk about it too much, uh, but I work downtown, not far from Farragut North. So I've now developed this sort of. If I leave, the, if I can get out of the office early, I've developed this red line hop where I basically stop, yeah. have a beer at Red Bear, get back on the red line, go a couple more stops, run into Brooklyn Pint, see what you guys have, have a beer there. Yeah, and, and the, it's crazy. You could probably do that on about any like any metro line uh, at this point. Right, right. In fact, we've been talking about doing that at DC Beer, doing doing a, a, either a metro map or doing an article on on sort of like the best <laughs> breweries on every on every every line. So it's gotten it's gotten amazing. I mean, I can literally end my trip at Silver Branch if I want, and then yeah. go to Astro Lab, and then hit Denizens, and then just basically walk home <laughs> that direction. So yeah, so it, it's pretty amazing. But um, but the Patrons at each one, there are differences in sort of the, you know in, in, in the Adams Morgan crowd for Smoke and Barrel versus the Brooklyn crowd, or now of course Meridian Pine in Virginia is totally different. You must have access to a bunch of beer that doesn't necessarily get into DC, or is harder to get into DC now. Yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so um, because they're all restaurants, how much are you thinking about the beers that you're bringing in in terms of the menus and thinking about pairing? Uh, food and beer. Not at these places. Not, not really. Much. Okay. Um, I mean, we do events. We've got one um, coming up. Oh, I don't know, in three weeks or so, a big beer pairing dinner at Meridian Pint that one of our um, first customers bought at like some kind of PTA oh, right. auction <laughs> um, that I'm trying to stockpile beer for and do something really cool. But on a regular basis, with 24 tap lines. I have something that's going to work with basically any kind of 
food, you can right. think so. And we keep the we keep the menu diverse enough that yeah, you're gonna have some lagers, you're gonna have some Belgian styles, you're gonna have some dark styles, you're gonna have some IPAs. I mean, you could probably pick just about any item off of any of our menus and give me a beer list, and I could give you something that's going to be at right. least a competent pairing. Great. Actually, that that leads me to another question that I hadn't planned on asking, but I haven't worked in the service industry in quite a while. Um, here's an interesting question that's got me thinking. Roughly, and this may be different for each of the places, but like, what percentage of your of your patrons are coming in for the beer? They're coming in to see sort of what you've got on these twenty five taps um, and what they might discover that's different versus people coming in who know it's good. You know, they're coming in because it's either close or they're used to coming or they're coming to eat and it just, you just happen to have good beer. I to give an exact figure, I'd be sure. I'd be, but it's. I would say well under 50% that are coming in specifically for the beer. Hmm. Like it might be a combination of things that hmm. draw them in, but just specifically for the beer, like I'm just going to go in and have a beer or two. Right. Is, it's, a, it's a low percentage everywhere. Interesting. And that's why having a draw at a beer restaurant besides just the beer at this point with this level of saturation is so critical. Yeah. That you have to have something else that's going to bring people in besides just besides just the beer list. Just the, right, the beer right, list right, is right, a right, component, right. but you need ambiance or location or food or right. something else to get or a bourbon list, wine list, cocktail list. Yeah. Something besides just beer to get people excited and to kind of set yourself apart. Right. Back in the day, I would go to a place like Meridian Pint for the beer and then sort of scan the menu and see what I wanted. And I think more and more people are now thinking about the food first because they know there's they're not going to have trouble finding a beer they want. Yeah, and Quite, that yeah. and that still happens, but I would say at this point it's not it's not the majority. All right. Well, a lot of changes in the restaurant business uh, and the craft craft beer in restaurant business. Um, and we'll keep sort of following that along and, and seeing how it changes over the course of the next year, I guess. Uh, but let's talk about beer specifically now. Uh, you obviously get to try a lot of beer. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that is correct. Yeah, that is, that, that you're, you're very fortunate in that right. respect. Uh, I consider myself very fortunate because Having started the, a podcast about beer two years ago now, there's probably a lot of beer that comes. I get a lot of beer comes now. through your hands too. Well, it's funny because Adam and I we joke about this all the time. Is that our main reason for starting the podcast was look, we consider it successful if we get free beer. Like that's our goal. <laughs> like, we're going to talk about beer a lot, and maybe we'll get some free beer. And now it's turned into you know taking over dcbeer.com and all this other stuff. And it's like wow, my. In two years, a hobby turned into a job, uh, which is which is a lot of fun. I get to try a lot of beer. Uh, You get to try a lot of beer. What are some of the trends in craft beer that you're seeing right now that are really exciting to you or really interesting to you? Um, I mean, this is uh, this is going back a couple a couple years, really, at this point. Which DC is definitely in this area is ahead of the curve, but sort of a I'd call it like a craft lager. Mm. revival mm-hmm. like more breweries making them more breweries making them really well and we sell a ton of lager at all three spots wow um so that's that's sort of the big one outside of the obvious which is IPAs are yeah. an unstoppable mm-hmm. 
the hazy. Unstoppable force. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I had to introduce my wife, who does not like West Coast IPAs. She doesn't like piney. She doesn't like bitter. Um, but introducing her to hazy IPAs, for example, and being like, no, this yeah. is like a totally different kind of thing. I know it's called an IPA, but it's totally different. And yeah. she's loving that. So, But um, but the lager thing has been really interesting to me as somebody who, frankly, drinks a lot of beer, which is a fortunate thing, but it's not always a good thing because right. you right. do have to be cautious if you're drinking. I mean, I'm drinking on average three or four beers a day, not because... Like I'm not sitting down in front of the TV <laughs> and pounding three right. beers, right? Oh, like, uh, it's I'm yeah, I'm probably doing about the same. And I cannot remember the last time I opened a beer at home. Really? Yeah, I mean Monday Monday through Friday. There's so much in like in front of me constantly, and just trying things off the draft lines to make mm-hmm. sure everything's clean and everything's tasting like it's supposed to and doing tasting notes. Yeah. Like I can't remember the last time I got home at 530 and was like, <laughs> oh, God, I want a beer so bad. Right. No, right, I, yeah. it's, I keep it pretty strictly because then it's, 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 it, it, it can just be too much. It really and can. On I bartend one day a week, Thursday lunch at Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and all of the breweries and distributors have learned this. So literally on Thursday during my bar shift, it's a like a roll call of people coming in and dropping off samples. Oh. Like if I don't see five or six either brewery reps or like distributor reps in a four hour period, it's been a slow Okay. It's been a slow day. Everybody hear that? <laughs> Thursday lunchtime at Brooklyn Pint. That's yeah. the place to be. I might start showing up. Yeah, um, uh, come please help me come. Uh, <laughs> please come help me drink these this pile of samples. Yeah. Well I mean that's one of the interesting things about the about the rise in loggers, especially locally, is um most of the lagers are, of course, much lower alcohol than a lot of the IPAs that, that have been out there, so you can drink more. I've been drinking Pilsners and lagers for the last couple of months, especially after Silver Branch opened not far yeah. from me. They're producing some amazing lagers Absolutely. and Pilsners, uh, and I can, you know, 4.5% alcohol, I can drink three full pints yeah. And then and then be productive, like you yep. know, and like get on to what I need to do. Whereas you know, a couple of seven and a half, eight percent IPAs, and that's it for me. That's yeah. I'm done. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. I'm not going to get anything productive done. So that's interesting. The, the rise in loggers, and I think you would know better than me. Is that a national thing, or is that really is like we doing this and then sort of happening other places? Are I we mean, in the lead? Are we leading <laughs> the nation in loggers and pilsners right now? Uh, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, it, I I definitely think that it's a national trend. I think we were a little bit a little bit ahead of it because mm-hmm. there's breweries that I talk to sometimes that are like saying that they're starting to see that come back and seeing more traction in their lager styles. I'm like, well, for us, it's been yeah. it's been two three years yeah, that yeah, we've yeah. been that we've been seeing Pilsner and. Mm-hmm. Vienna and different right. lager styles right. really, yeah. really sell well. Yeah, well, uh, we're fortunate in that respect. I'm very much. I'm going to a baseball game tonight. I was there two days ago, and one of the one of the district brews or you know the, yeah. the local beer things uh, still had Mad Fox Kolsch oh, available. Yeah. So I'm hoping it's still there because yeah, I know it'll be gone soon. It's, and it's it, a beer I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna oh, a lot. We poured our last keg of it out in Arlington. I don't mm. know, a week and a half ago, oh. and it's yeah, yeah. So 
but yeah, we've been, I mean, you know, the Colts, DC has been, thanks to Bill Madden, Colts yeah. for, for quite a while. And I think that, that sort of drove it a little bit. Are there any uh, trends in craft beer that you're seeing that you kind of like, eh, that's a flash in the pan. This is boring. I can't believe we're doing this. I don't know if it's a flash in the pan, but for me personally, the lactose and vanilla bean everything is wearing wearing thin <laughs> yeah. at least at least for me i don't need lactose in my sours i don't need it in my ipas i don't yeah really need it anywhere except maybe a milk stout um that's reasonable yeah and we uh we don't see a ton of traction with that kind of stuff on premise but it's still very much something that people will go to a brewery and buy a bunch of cans of. Yeah. Um, but we've never gotten huge traction with it at, yeah, I at t- our spots. I, I tend to agree with you. I think it's, it's I think brewers like it because it's interesting and different and fun and you can do stuff with it. Uh, and, and a lot of people tend to, a lot of people right now are into it. Like it, it, it does create some interesting mouthfeels and some, some nice flavors, but I, I tend to agree with you. I think, I think we'll probably, in the next year and leading into next summer, see a lot of people move away from that and 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 make more tart, refreshing goza style sours, which I think most people find more drinkable. Um, a lactose, what I find in a lactose beer, other than a milk stout, is you know it's about halfway through. You're like, okay, I feel full. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need a nap. Um, um, so you know we've got a lot of new breweries in town. A lot of folks have opened up uh, this year. Uh, who are you loving right now? Who, what local breweries? And this is the entire DMV area. You can Ooh. you can stretch out. But are there are there are there two or three that you're really excited about? You love what they're doing. Uh, yeah, I'm just as risk of leaving someone out. I'm just going to sort of focus on the like the newer newer yeah, yeah. ones. Um, the two in Silver Spring, I think, are. Both really fun and really interesting, mm-hmm. Silver Branch and Astrolab, because yeah. they're sort of perfect to be two breweries not very far apart because their focuses are, yeah. are different. It's, like you go to – and uh, Astrolab's making great lagers and Silver Branch has made some really good IPAs. But by and large, I would go to Silver Branch and drink anything German or Czech. Right. And then I would go to Astrolab and load up on hops. Yeah. And yeah. they're both doing those so, so well. Yeah, they're, they're. I have to agree. And because I live close, very, very close to there, they're now two of my three or four neighborhood breweries. I live right between them and like three stars. But yeah. that the complementary nature of those two breweries and being able, like I, oftentimes on a, like a Sunday you know, morning, I'll go to Silver Branch, drink some lagers and, and, or pilsners, which I can drink a few of, get some work done, and yep. then pack up my stuff and go have a couple of really hoppy, really flavorful IPAs from, from Astrolab. And it's, it's a nice, you know, by then I'm done working, right? <laughs> Nothing's getting done. That's cool. Anybody else? Anybody in Virginia that that's, you find interesting or anybody in, D, in D.C.? Oh, Virginia is so so saturated i'm trying to think there's been some new beer that i've been exposed to since opening meridian and arlington um precarious in williamsburg is making really good stuff um i think they've been open a few years now but we don't really get them in dc Mm. benchtop in norfolk is making making really nice stuff um yeah just there's there's so many yeah there's so many 
I, I wonder often what, like, how, particularly Loudoun County, the Sterling um, area, like, how that's all going to shape out because it's, I mean, there's a, there's a brewery every hundred yards now. There are countless breweries in Northern Virginia that I, when someone told me about them, I'd never, I'd never right. heard of them. Right. And there's probably still a ton more that I've still not heard of like some of the small places that don't do any distro yeah. like they're i remember one day i was talking to jake from crooked run and mm-hmm. he's like oh you really you need to go try the loggers at um black hoof i'm like <laughs> what is black hoof Who, where <laughs> and yeah it's apparently brian out in that area making mm-hmm. really great loggers that i hadn't even hadn't even heard of yeah, no, it's amazing. We we joke often that if this that if we did this show and only focused on Northern Virginia breweries, we could do fifty two episodes a year. Oh, easily, you know, yeah. and and not and not have to repeat any of them. We could, we really, really could. But we're we're DMV focused. We're bigger than that, so uh, they they get they get a a lot of attention out there. But um, I was one of the questions I was going to ask you is, what are you drinking at home these days? But you're not drinking at home these days. Well, I. <laughs> I do uh, drink at work from time to time outside of the uh, realm of just tasting and uh, work-based requirements. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm sort of on the same path as everybody else at the moment. It's lagers and IPAs. Yeah. 99.9% of what I drink is pale and at least reasonably dry. Mm -hmm. A lot of Pilsner, a lot of IPA. We're getting close to the end of summer. Uh, when you're listening to this audience, it's probably late August, very early September. We got the DC, we got DC Beer Week coming up. Of course, the Great American Beer Festival coming up. Um, Snallygaster coming up after that. So there's a lot of stuff happening. I'm interested to see if a lot of breweries are going to start producing more stouts and porters and sort of heavier winter kind of stuff, or if, if the loggers and pilsners. And IPAs are going to stick, going to going to last through seasonally. Yeah, I mean, we've at least in our restaurants see a little bit of seasonal drinking, but way less than everybody always assumes. Thanks. Yeah. Like it's not like we hit November and all of a sudden we have ten porters on tap or <laughs> ten right porters and stouts. We just have never seen that interesting demand for it. Like the, the people's preferences and their palates don't yeah. don't change much right. in the fall fall right. and winter and we'll put on a pumpkin beer or two and then maybe like an extra porter stout or two but the list in July won't look drastically different than the list in December wow that's interesting that is i think it's probably just beer geeks who are like excited about seasonal styles and the average beer drinker is just like this is what i like this is what i drink Interesting. Yeah. Okay. One last question that we didn't talk about before, but it's popped into my head. How did you become a beverage director for a group of restaurants? Was that sort of like, were you always sort of in food service in the service industry or did you? Because there's, and the reason I ask is that almost everybody we talk to on this show and out in the community in craft beer, there are very, very few people, including myself, for example, who sort of started 
in this world and that's the direction that they've been going. This was the career that they planned for themselves or this is what they wanted to do. Most of us started doing something different and sort of fell into this either through a love of beer or just through opportunities. What was your pathway? Uh, yeah, it was strange and winding. <laughs> um, so I went to Indiana State University for – I was a recreation and sport management major mm. and then all through – College was working in minor league baseball. Oh, cool. <clears throat> and so then after I graduated, what originally brought me out to Maryland was I went to work in Waldorf for the uh, Southern Maryland Blue Crabs. Oh, nice. And did that for I don't know, almost a year and then wanted something different. So went really different and took a job in D.C. with a healthcare consulting company. That's and different. That's yeah. A big so change did, from minor I did league. that and then – wasn't that wasn't that wasn't it? <laughs> that, uh, Desk job wasn't going to do it. No, I no, wasn't. That wasn't it either. So, um, I had never worked in the service industry per se b- before, but you know, it's, believe it or not, it's uh, expensive to live in DC. Yes, so I started um, at that point at a sports bar that had just opened in Columbia Heights, still there, Lou's City Bar. Mm, yeah. So started serving, started bartending. Um, they had and still have good beer. Mm-hmm. Like when I was uh, when I was working there, they had stuff from Victory, Bell's Too Hearted, nice. Great Lakes Dortmunder Gold. Awesome. Um, so stuff that got me. And I got super into it and started doing some of the beer, like ordering and stuff there, and then. Went over and started working at Smoke and Barrel after it opened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so bartending, um, and then eventually took over the beer there, and mm-hmm. then took it over at Meridian a little while later, and then we opened to Brooklyn not long right. after that. Yeah. So Awesome. So that's a, that sounds pretty typical to most yeah. of the stories I hear. It's like, uh, I did this, and then I, just, uh, then I love beer, and then I did this thing, you know, I opened a brewery. Yeah, fell, got, yeah. fell into it by accident yeah. and got super super into it. Awesome. That's fantastic. All right. Well, Jace Gonerman, beer director at Meridian Pint, Brooklyn Pint, and Smoke and Barrel, thank you so much for joining us on the DC Beer Show today. We really appreciate your being here. Yeah, thank you. All right. So, folks, please, if you get a moment, go to Apple Podcasts and review this podcast so other folks will know that it's out here. You can always find us at dcbeer.com. And as I said at the beginning of the show, check out at dcbeer on all the social medias and dcbeer.com for the latest and greatest in what's going on in craft beer in the D.C. metro area. Thanks for listening.